are listening to Upside Downtrodden. Turning power inside out never sounded so good. I am Scott Mullen, and with me, as always, is Sean Namini. Thank you for that lovely introduction, sir. You're welcome. Let me just start by saying I think we may be turning a corner at my school. So, mm-hmm. like any any family that has some stress, we worked it out, and sometimes contentiously. So, uh, the last semester was rough. We closed the campus. We had a whole lot just. Uh, just we had a whole lot to work out take out your pencils and write i want the names of every hoodlum drug dealer and miscreant who's done nothing but take this place apart on my desk by noon today a whole lot of issues and i think we had a little break from each other and coming back i think all the battles that we that we fought last semester are paying dividends and if i'm right i think we're on our way to being stronger for it and making some real progress so uh, feeling pretty good so far with the with the early returns on the second semester. Dr. Roberta Hunt would be proud of you. Conflict is dynamic. It can force new ways of knowing, thinking, experiencing. And it sounds like the proof is in the pudding over there with you guys. We shall see. You shall see. But so far, so good. The early, the early report, the early return, pretty good. Indeed. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, just a, a well-deserved congratulations shout-out for uh, The Revenant. Uh, boy, was that a, a, a sweet Lord God. In Heaven, Have Mercy, an amazing film, and uh, I know that there's been a lot of different uh, artistic things, films, movies, songs, what have you, made about the plight of the indigenous, um, but but very rarely, at least in modern day cinema, cinema, do they hit like the upper echelon of mainstream stratospheric you know attention, right, right. so it was really nice to see that be received the way it was, artistically, commercially, and 2015... A lot of good movies came out in 2015. Gotta say, and, and I mean, commercially as well, it was like the biggest year ever in history. I mean, you had Mad Max, you know, Fury Road, you had Jurassic World, uh, the Avengers, All Age the of Ultron, Avengers, Star yeah. Wars, Force Awakens. Yeah, I mean, just the list goes on and on. Uh, so, so just fantastic, and and everyone should see it uh, wherever you see your films. Just take the time. It's a long movie, but man, it's it's worth every bit of it, and and a little bit of a twist at the end, which is just fantastic. So well written, well shot. Um, it's just fighting back tears the whole time. It's pretty amazing. I love when you get to talk about this stuff. It's it's your wheelhouse. It's your passion. It's I I love when you get to talk about this. Me too. And thank you again to Leo for for making speeches every time he wins something, uh, making it about the indigenous. So he he's real and he and he's not wearing it because it's cool. He like really means it. He walks in purpose and and walks that walk. So thank you to Leonardo DiCaprio, who will probably never hear this, but in case he does, never say you're never. okay. We like you over here at Upside Downtron, which by the way. UpsideDownTron.com That's the uh, the website uh, Email us at UpsideDownTron At gmail.com When you're on the site Feel free to visit Our community bulletin board You can leave comments You can share with The rest of the class Thoughts and ideas And feelings and things That you have Also hit the gear page uh, Right now when you visit Gear page Select your super cool Responsibly made t-shirt of choice And during the checkout process Enter promo code IRISH And when you do You'll have some green Green get it 25% in fact Tucked in your pocket That's a little sweet deal That we're offering To anybody that wants To buy a t-shirt From UpsideDownTron.com we're on iTunes, of course, you know about that. Hit the subscribe button when you're over there. We're on KBOO as well. Just go to kboo.fm slash upside downtrodden. Hey, yeah, KBOO. Uh, we love the Politicus too, right? Dame and Cherry, editor-in-chief, doing a great job, doing amazing work, and uh, they're always releasing new and engaging content over there with a v- wide variety of important issues. Uh, this episode, no exception, uh, Sean, I'll tell you just a little bit about it, because um, I read this really cool article on the Politicus by Nicholas Barrett. Ambition and frustration back on the minds of British workers. Talking about the plight of the British worker. Things are changing over there. England is a fine country. What's going on there is there's a bit of a paradigm shift in the workforce 
uh, in the UK, other places too, but this is the article focuses on the UK. And um, they're thinking, hey, you know what? It's not about more money. It's about quality of life. It's about how we spend our time. So isn't that interesting how a lot of them are thinking about how to form coalitions and and uh, to organize and to get together to to fight back against the, the system and say, uh, excuse me, we're the ones providing all the labor, the skills, the, te- the expertise. Uh, we're doing Everything. all the work here. Everything so that you can get your capital. Um, maybe we should have a little more democracy in the workplace. And that might come in uh, to what we're talking about on the show a little bit later. But I thought that was interesting. Of course, it doesn't matter what we're going to talk about on the show. The Politicus has some articles and some content that are just right down the right down the center. Keep there. up the good uh, work, champ. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, Drink for Good, our sponsor. We know about them. They sell those awesome cause bottles and uh, cool apparel. Uh, you can check them out. Uh, go to drinkforgood.com. Uh, hit Save 15 in uh, Step 2 of checkout, and you're going to save 15% off your order. Uh, praise be to DFG. It's a miracle. Visit drinkforgood.com today. You save, we gain, everybody wins. Sean, I'm also going to tell you a little bit about a guest just-worthy charity cause endeavor that we have today. Stay hot, brother. I'm gonna, baby. Anarchistnews.org. Oopsie, is the cat coming out of the bag? <laughs> uh, anyway, this is a great site. Uh, actions, essays, uh, all sorts of projects, uh, um, things, local, global, that you can get involved with with regard to anarchy. What is that? We'll tell you in a minute. Uh, but there's just awesome. I mean, like the, the, the thing that's right on the front here, topic of the week, anarchist fiction and futures. Uh, by the collective, written by the collective, Trans Prisoner Day of Solidarity. Um, they've got uh, oh gosh, what is it? the Self Organized Refugee uh, Squad Force? Uh, a review, Prison Society, an account of the 2016 New Year's noise demonstration, mass arrest. Um, so they're kind of keeping tabs on all these different movements, big and small, all around the world. And then they talk about them. They they it's essentially a, a portal where they can report it because I have a feeling a lot of these things aren't going to get play in the mainstream media. <laughs> That's a strong. An accurate feeling you've got there. <laughs> Bit of an understatement, yes. So anarchistnews.org, uh, what a wonderful guest, just-worthy charity cause that you can check out to, to see what's going on in the world of anarchy. Oh, my God, if I go there, is my computer going to explode? Probably not. Sean, what is anarchy? What are we talking about? Are we going to talk about anarchy, or is it just too chaotic of a topic? It's actually not. We're going to dispel some of those myths. So what we don't mean is what most people think of when they think of anarchy. We don't mean a punk rocker with an A in a circle on the back of his jacket. That you oh, run into at the mall. Sid Vicious yeah. is rolling in his grave, and We baby. don't mean a total absence of rules in society or chaos. And, and to illustrate the point about the tragic misunderstanding about anarchy, we're going to look to Merriam-Webster. And this is, they've got it wrong. A situation of confusion and wild behavior in which the people in a country, group, organization, etc. are not controlled by rules or laws. Not even close, bud. That is anything but the definition. Yes. So Marion Webster, who's normally a friend of the show, sorry, Marion, back at the class for you. And, and the other the other dictionaries online had very similar uh, horse shite. So did. I'd say thanks for nothing, dictionary service, whose job it is to define <laughs> words. But what do uh, what we do mean is not totally clear either. Like anything, anarchy has many complex layers and in interpretations. Yes, uh, we think it could be the political ideal, one that we are nowhere near ready for as a society. So with this episode, we hope to break down some of the barriers to the establishment of a true anarchy. And we shall begin with that old foe of progress, ignorance. No, they're ignorant. That's ignorant. So uh, if I think a good kicking off point is to a place where, and, and we can thank our friend Take a Shot listener, Noam Chomsky, for pointing this out to us. He, he mentioned, uh, and I think it was in an interview that I was reading, uh, I was reading the transcript of the interview with him. And he mentioned anarcho-syndicalism, 
being established in Spain in 1936. Right. So it actually did. And, and then the interviewer said, well, did it, was it horrible? Because the interviewer had the same misconceptions. And he said, no, it actually worked very well. The problem was Franco. So uh, just... And, and by the way, and by the way, historically speaking, it's been or it's predated pretty much every other form of, of governance and, and uh, networking uh, whatsoever. It's one of the oldest around, if not the oldest, technically, if you want to pull on that. But, but Sean's giving a historical example to Spain. Yes, and a recent one. And okay. the, the ideology has existed for a very sure. long time and, and probably was, I would say, the original. When we found ourselves in the state of nature, there were no rules or laws. There was just survival. Correct. We didn't have this... Like, there we go. You know, okay, thank you. I'll shut up. Hey. Yeah, can you tell me what to do, please? Can you give me a punishment if I don't do what you say? And can you give me a reward if I do? And can you force me to do something that I don't want to do? <laughs> and then throw a couple bones at me? No, that's that's not how that's 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 not how it works. So uh, why should it work this way now? So you can read more about that. You know, we can't give you all this, but just it has it has occurred. It focused on uh, lack of centralization, collective action, collective ownership. Uh, collective freedom, collective protection of freedom, and that's sort of the underlying uh, vein of when it ha- the most recent uh, official anarchy. Right, and and so uh, to to talk a little bit more about the different types, I mean, there's more than just these five or six that we're going to kind of highlight briefly. Um, but if we had to pick a, a couple, Sean, I know you got a few sitting over there. There are sort of five main branches of uh, anarchy. And I'm going to li- just list them, and then I'll talk about a couple of them, and then we'll let you and our and our uh, guest kind of finish it off. But Oh, I'm so excited for our esteemed guest, by the way. I am as well. First, we have anarcho, in no particular order, but we have anarcho-communism and... Sean's favorite. Anarcho-socialism, and those those could be kind of the same. They're kind of different, but from, from libcom.org, more on them later, but anarchist communism is a form of anarchism that advocates the abolition of the state and capitalism in favor of a horizontal network of voluntary associations through which everyone will be free to satisfy his or her own needs a whole lot more you know it stresses egalitarianism the abo- abolition of social hierarchy and class distinctions you know all good stuff as far as upside down sure. is concerned sure uh and and that's that's pretty you could probably have guessed that about it, if you're just hearing the name, if you know anything about anarchy or government at all, and you know anything about communism, you could have guessed that. An interesting one, anarcho-fascism. I'm, I, I scrunch my nose a little bit to that. Should I be nervous? Uh, yes. When you hear fascism, your butt should pucker. Uh, Thank you. But then it's like, it's, it's all nestled up to anarcho, and it's like, hmm... I'm intrigued. Tickle that butthole, would you? <laughs> That's, you know, it's like, you know, uh, two th- one thing you love and one thing you hate. So uh, what, what do you got? Like a cheeseburger maggots. Or, I don't know. Right. You know, just. That's right. That's right. Focus on the taste of the burger, not the texture of the maggots swimming around. And you should be fine on this one. But right. And there's not as much on this, but it's it, this from uh, Reddit. Anarcho-fascism is the only self-consistent theory of anarchism because it's the only definition of anarchism that espouses a theory of property that is constant from perspective to perspective and from person to person. So I'm sure okay. our guests will have something to say about some of these things. That's interesting, yeah. The fascist state owns everything and everyone knows it. For this reason, anarcho-fascism is the only anarchist theory in which, in a dispute, the aggressor and the person being aggressed upon can be objectively defined and doesn't rely on opinion or perspective to support its claims of morality. You know, take it for what you will. We're not going to talk too much about it. We're just kinda, yeah. We're just trying to end the ignorance about it. 
That's interesting. I yeah, and 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 uh, before researching the show, I wasn't even aware that there would be a term called anarcho-fascism, and I'm I'm guessing to believe you, Sean, that there actually is one, and you didn't just pull that out of your butt. But yeah, it just seems it seems a little counterintuitive. It does, um, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just a little weird, but it almost seems like a spin, like. Hey man, it's not really fascism because we all hate fascism. No, no, brother, yeah. it's uh, it's anarcho fat. Well, I like anarchy. Yeah, of course you do. Everybody does. But you're acting like a fascist state, which is essentially state-controlled capitalism, where you pretty much own everything. A higher crust of elites just rule the. Yeah, but we're we got anarcho in front of us, so it's okay. Right. I'm, I'm like, it, try, I guess I'm it trying to see on, what the benefit of that one. I think is. it depends I, I, on where the ownership of this, everything comes from. If, if it's the people who decide who owns it, how it gets distributed, and everybody knows that, then maybe it's just anarchism. But they like to they like fascism so much that they wanted to like put, add it to it. <laughs> yeah. Yay! Fascism. Morons. Now this one, I I find this one super fascinating, and I think this. You say you're the uh, another kind of anarchist, but I say you might be this one, and you might not have heard of this one. This is anarcho primitivism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's an anarchist critique of the origins and progress of civilization. Yeah. According to anarcho-primitivism, the shift from hunter-gatherer to agricultural subsistence gave rise to social stratification, coercion, alienation, and population growth. Anarcho-primitivists advocate a return to non-civilized ways of life through deindustrialization, abolition of the division of labor or specialization, and abandonment of large-scale organization technologies. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> you might as well be reading my, uh, my bio. Your bio. Yeah, That's absolutely. Right. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I got no problem with that one, baby. That's right there. I'm, I'm, I think I'm wearing, frankly, a little bit of all of these. Maybe not the fascism. I, I got to figure that one yes. out. I'm still not sure. Yes. But, but there's, there's elements of all of these that I'm like, yes and yes and yes. And certainly what you just said, pretty much everything across the board on there I'm going to sign on to. You, now, bet, you bet. Right. Now, before I turn it over, the, so this is layers upon layers, right? We're trying to introduce to you... Correct. The, ...that it's just not so simple as there's no rules or we make our own rules and we're all free. It's, it's, it's so much more than that. There's layers in even in each of these. So look them up for yourself if you want to. But the common thread is uh, freedom of people to, to choose for themselves aspects of their own lives. And, and, and wherever they differ... That's what is the common thread, is that we choose what we want. So the next two, anarcho-syndicalism, I'll, I'll, I will turn over to you, a self-proclaimed anarcho-syndicalist, and our, our With anarcho-primitive, uh, apparently, uh, <laughs> uh, leaning, so... That's, uh, it, that's it. Yeah, so, so uh, without further ado, please espouse your belief system to us. So when we say anarcho-syndicalist, you know, what does that mean? So for me, the reason I tend to identify with that one kind of at the top of my list, but certainly I can, I can relate to all of these, um, is because they believe in direct action carried out by workers as opposed to indirect action, such as electing a representative to a government position. Um, they, want, they think that the direct action is going to allow workers to liberate themselves, I'm inclined to believe. Uh, we seek to ab- abolish a wage system, which to me is just wage slavery, and if you don't understand that, you're... There's, uh, there's the a problem. quote. Yeah, well, there's there's a quote that if you if if you believe that employment is anything other than slavery, you're you're either blind or you're employed. Oh snap! Abolishing the wage system and private ownership as a means of production, uh, we think that leads to class divisions. We believe in self-management and propose labor organization as a means to create the foundations of a trade union-centered anarchist society within the current system to bring about social revolution. 
The aim is to promote solidarity in workplaces and outside. And this is why that article at the Politicus was so interesting to me because they're touching on that, uh, encouraging workers to organize independently of government, business and bureaucrats uh, to fight for their own interests as a class or a group of people. The ultimate goal is a stateless, classless society based on the principle of from each according to their ability to each according to their need. Sean talks about that all the time. It's a communist uh, uh, thing, but it, it works for... Well, well, that's why I say a lot of these, yeah. to, to our point, and we're going to probably say this even when Seth gets on, oh, I mean, <clears throat> even when our guest gets on, that a lot of these layer over. And there's that's why I say I can't be like, right. no, anarcho-communism, right. <laughs> poopy-doopy. I'm like, well, but there's things about that that layer that into good. this. And that but I think that they're in the they're, same pool. Correct. Swimming in the same pool, but they're they're sort of accentuating different things, and maybe the priority is a little bit different. Uh, but a system of free councils made up of recallable delegates from workplaces and communities. That's what they're interested in. The activity is therefore aimed at promoting, assisting, and developing such class struggles locally and internationally, with which both benefits us now and brings us closer to the society that we want to create. So uh, we, and I s- say it very loosely we, but anarcho-syndicalists, uh, plan to do this according to three following principles. There's solidarity, and if you're not sure what that term means, I'll give you a definition, and you can agree or disagree, but as individuals, we are relatively powerless in the face of business, bureaucrats, and the state, but when we act collectively, we can turn the tables. Big time. Uh, Big time, right. Direct action. So uh, we do not make appeals to politicians or representatives to act on our behalf, but we organize to get the things that we want for ourselves, right? So uh, an example we talk about a lot on the show as of late is the food co-op that I just joined. And I'm starting to go attend meetings. We want a food co-op in this particular part of Portland, Oregon to represent the needs of our community. You can get food at a variety of places, but we want to get a certain type of food a certain way that represents our identity here. And so we're not waiting for someone to hand that to us. We're just coming together and we're going to make it happen. So that goes to the third one, self-organization, right? We should control our own struggles through mass meetings, learning how to act without business or leaders and making sure that we can't be sold out or demobilized from the top. So anarcho-syndicalists are engaged in a wide variety of workplace and community efforts. Uh, Some very immediate, others are long-term. They include workplace organizing, uh, community organizing, strike and occupation solidarity, worker support, networking with other workers, uh, organizing public meetings, producing and distributing information, so on and so forth. So... I'll just throw that to you, Sean. Does that sound like something that you could also get behind? Any of that stuff? Yes, any and all of it. And just think about all of that stuff, listener. That that it's it's all it's all in your own hands, and that's very empowering. Especially, it's 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 empowering. I think just to think of like solidarity. I'm not in this alone. There's other people who feel the same and who are going to work with me. Taking direct action, clear goals. You know, so much of what we do on a day to day basis is we don't see the value of it. Somebody's giving us money that we're going to receive later, uh, and they're going to take a bunch of money out, the state is, and then the, the corporations are going to take all theirs, and we don't see... Uh, we, it, it, it's, it's empty, but not with direct action. We can see it working right away. Self-organization, to, to be in control of yourself, that's very empowering. And then again, all of those things put into action. Uh, if, if you've ever felt... And this goes back to choice theory, Glasser's choice theory, right? Uh, fun, freedom empowerment and belonging i see freedom empowerment and belonging in all of those and then depending on your definition of fun that sounds fun to me it actually is a lot of fun i was gonna say i I have a great time going to these meetings and meeting these people and connecting i truly enjoy it and when when i'm done i'm on a high it lasts the rest of the night it's just pretty great so but i'm gonna get you high today yeah i I didn't have to slam heroin that night so that's that's also it's a good pocketbook (laughs) yes 
And speaking of empowering, let's empower our <laughs> guest already, shall we? Uh, he's uh, he's traveled so to, far to be did. here, <laughs> to be here uh, via the internet, of course. So uh, you know, I think he's back. He's, he's in New Hampshire. Live free <laughs> or die. God damn it. Uh, so perhaps our guest will have something to say about all of this. And, and, right. and I think one thing I want to say before we bring him on, I know he's just champing at the bit here, is a, a, another way to look at anarchy. There's a great quote by uh, American novelist and poet um, Jim Dodge. And he said, anarchy doesn't mean out of control. It means out of their control. And that mm-hmm. there could be referring to corporations, governments, you know, Tyrants, you know, what have you. Whoever uh, says, we make the rules and you follow. And you do what we say, and and yes, and if you don't do it, well, then we'll force you to do it, and we'll use any and every tactic at our disposal. Uh, But uh, so having said that, kind of priming the pump here a little bit, I'm sure sure, uh, Mr. King is ready. It's good to be king, just for a while. Uh, Let me just tell you a little bit about him. California native Seth King created the Daily Anarchist in March 2010 in an effort to recruit individuals to exercise their liberty irrespective of government regulations. The ultimate goal of the Daily Anarchist is to delegitimize state interference by the outright refusal to obey all laws that are unjust, aggressive in nature, and violate the libertarian ethic. Ooh, we've got to ask him what libertarian means to him. It is the position of the Daily Anarchist that there exists no political solution to our current socioeconomic and environmental problems and that the only legitimate interactions between and among people are those freely assented to by all parties concerned. The mission of the Daily Anarchist is to advance the cause of individual liberty, primarily through peaceful non-cooperation with government, by establishing a free market. Oh, we have to ask him what free market means, too, to him. Based upon <laughs> property rights. We've got to ask him about property yes, rights, what that means exactly. to him. <laughs> Citizens of planet Earth will band together to create the peace, tolerance, and prosperity that can only come from a healthy respect for freedom. Oh, there's that hot buzz word again there, Sean. Uh, Seth King was born and raised by libertarian-leaning parents and learned about injustices of the world at an early age. By sixth grade, he was debating topics like abortion, the drug war, prostitution, and guns with his teacher during class. Must have been fun at parties. I bet you would have liked to have him in class, Sean. <laughs> and maybe you would have done what his teacher did. I would did have actually. I would have loved it. Oh, you would have loved it. And his teacher actually would give the rest of the students uh, busy work while he and Seth debated the, and played chess in front I do of that everybody stuff else. All, I do that hey, stuff all the time. How come he gets the difference? Because he's smarter than you. And he gives a shit. And he gives a shit. And he's paying attention. And he wants to engage and, and exchange ideas and, and debate. And that's what we miss. Uh, this was the beginning of Seth's activism as well as his emotional separation from other children. <laughs> he's a good kid. I mean, he's a good kid. I've hung with him before. <laughs> yes, he's a little off. But he's a good kid. Seth was different. They knew it. And Seth knew it. And now we know it. So let's give a warm upside down trot and welcome to the very different Seth King. Sethy. What do you think about that Jim Dodge quote, right? Uh, the anarchy, it's not about being um, out of control. It's about being out of their control. Their, of course, being corporations, governments, tyrants. Yeah, the quote is a little bit ambiguous. It doesn't quite um, explain who they or their are or what is being controlled. But it's a fair quote, and I like it. It's something I would sign off on. Um, the thing about anarchy, the, the definition of anarchy, um, it really means a lot of different things to different people. It's one of those kind of loaded terms like capitalism or socialism. You know, what does that mean? Uh, if, you, if, you, if you have a certain meaning, you might really like it, and if you have a different meaning, you might hate it. Uh, for me, anarchy is simply no rulers, right? Uh, it doesn't mean chaos. It doesn't mean, 
you know, hooded guys with masks over their face throwing, you know, round bombs through windows. The purge. Right, that's, that's, that's the stereotypical, you know, uh, system's definition of what and 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 you know at the top of the show Sean pulled a definition from Merriam-Webster and and actually went to a lot of other big you know uh, um, dictionaries and they all kind of said the same BS definition is that is this part of like a scare tactic to get people like afraid of it you don't want that you should be afraid of that it's it's chaotic it's dangerous is this like the, by design I don't know whether it's by design or not I think there's just a lot of you know preconceived notions about how the world is and how it should work and and people are out of the state. You know, the state is a religion for almost everybody on planet Earth. It's the most popular religion. It's the most violent religion. And any sort of uh, any sort of refutation of its, you know, inherent goodness is is heresy. And so, uh, if you go around calling yourself an anarchist, you're basically saying, "I don't believe in the state. I don't have faith in the state." And that's that's intolerable. So they'll. They'll slander you, and that, that just, that's just human nature. It doesn't necessarily have to be a conspiracy, so to speak, you know? So you're a self-described anarcho-capitalist. What is anarcho-capitalism, and how is that different from something like anarcho-syndicalism? Because earlier in the show, we were talking about a di- different types of anarchy, and I would sort of subscribe more with uh, anarcho-syndicalists, for instance. Uh, but but there, there, there are elements of, of, of all the ones that we've been talking about that, that Sean and I both definitely agree with. But in your words, as a self-described anarcho-capitalist, what is that? What does that mean? Anarchism is the blanket statement for, you know, you don't believe in the state. Um, and there are many different flavors of anarchism. Like you said, there's anarcho-capitalism, there's anarcho-syndicalism, anarcho-primitivism, you know, all sorts of, all sorts of different flavors. Uh, mine is anarcho-capitalism. And the thing is with anarchism, anarchism is a negative. It doesn't really, it, it doesn't show you the positive of what you are. So it's like, okay, you're against the state. That's great. So you're an anarchist. But... You know, what, do you do? what are you aside from that? And the syndicalists are basically like, okay, we don't have the state, but we still have socialism. We're going to pool our resources together and, you know, share and these sorts of things. And the capitalist is the, the part that I ascribe to, which is, you know, okay, we don't have the state, that's great, but I'm also a capitalist, which is, you know, you still have an understanding of free market profit and loss and and supply and demand, and, and you still, it's, so, so this is a positive system is basically just the, the suffix to the anarchism. Well, that then leads to some potential for some friction there then, because there's also, as we found research in the show, anarcho-communism. And so then let's say we get to the point to where we've, we've gotten rid of the rulers, and now we're going to set forth on this new path of no rulers and now here come the anarcho-communists, and here come the anarcho-capitalists, and it's like, why, yada, you know, uh, how, where, where does the the synthesis come there? What what potential problems could be between an anarcho-capitalist and an anarcho-communist? Well, there's a lot of problems that can and possibly will arise. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm not sure there's much common ground that we can really agree on because it all comes down to. The, the big difference between the two is it all comes down to private property. Yes. And whether you're a syndicalist or communist, it's all the same, but uh, the syndicalist slash communist, they don't believe that there is such a thing as private property. And so if you are controlling a piece of land and you this, you know it's your property and you want it to be run the way you want it to be run, that to them is 
like an assault. That's a crime. And to them, that's justification for, you know, war, practically. And for the, the, the anarcho-capitalists, uh, because we believe in, in private property, we have, we've, we have the right to control it how we see fit. That means excluding people from it or allowing people on it, doing what we want on it. You know, there could be all sorts of different rules and policies that are, you know, per person. It's like home rules. We believe in home rules. Um, and so we have to believe in defending that. So if somebody comes and wants to, for example, uh, do something on our property that we don't like, you know, that's grounds for potential violence to remove that person or whatever, whatever it comes down to. So, I mean, it's a big difference and I'm not sure how it's going to be resolved. I originally, when I first became an anarchist, I was like, well, you know, we agree on so much that should be good enough to get us there almost all the way, right. you know, and then, and, and the thing is, is as an anarcho-capitalist, we feel like the two should be able to coexist because for us, as long as it's voluntary, we're fine. Right. So for example, you know, if a bunch of people want to get together and act like socialists and pool their resources together and, and share the way they want to share, that's fine. That doesn't bother me. I have no problem with that. I'm not going to go in there and start, you know, clubbing people's heads and telling them they can't share their things. And, you know, that's ridiculous. Um, but that's not for me necessarily. For me, I have my own desires and, and wills and how I want to, you know, spend my hard-earned money or my capital or whatever. And uh, I resent the idea that some third party can come in and tell me what I can and can't do with the fruits of my labor. And that, that's a source of conflict. I'm not sure how it's going to be resolved. Well, I mean, as, and let me just speak to that. Uh, I'm, I'm just a big uh, proponent of... I mean, I want it all, man. I want liberty and security. I want church and state, and I want private and public. And I think that that there's, I think there's just this obsession with whatever you want to call the government that we have now, you know. And 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 it's been propagandized that like you know somehow privatization is the answer for everything. You know, we should privatize this. We should privatize that. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know, hold on. Let's not get carried away with it. I think there's a time and a place, you know, for it. So you know, and and I and. and my limited uh, delving and in research into anarcho-syndicalism, there's a strong constituency of syndicalists that also are really okay with that. I mean, you're, yeah, you're going to find like hardliners, to your point, Seth, that are like, no, not at all. But, but there is a group there, and, and I think these numbers are growing, that are like totally okay with private and public and finding a way that's going to work, again, to your point, voluntarily, not by force, that's going to that's going to rise every you know okay what what does this region need what do the people here want how do they want to you know develop it and work together to build it and and public and private you know how can those those two different forces work in concert to for for the needs of the people on the planet so yes i think that's that is generally true although i would say i think that is shifting and I think that there's, and even I hear it in you, even that, that you're open to that. You're like, yeah, I mean, I guess you know, could some things, in in your opinion, be public sphere if the people in the region decree as such? Are you open to something like that? Yeah, well, it is voluntary. That's really what it all comes down to. I agree. Some people don't even, some people don't even like calling themselves anarchists. Um, I love the term personally because it's so in your face. Man, a lot of people, <laughs> what? <anarcho -capitalist, laughs> a lot of people in the anarcho-capitalist movement call themselves voluntarists. And mm. I like that term, too. It's not the term I use, but it basically just means anything voluntary is, is okay. It's fine with us. Um, the minute that somebody starts initiating violence, that's when we start to have a problem. And, and really, uh, the whole basis of anarcho-capitalism is what's known as the non-aggression principle, often referred to as the NAP or the NAP. Mm -hmm. But the non-aggression principle, it, it simply means that... Um, 
you can't initiate violence against peaceful people, right? You can't beat them up, you can't rape right. them, you can't kill them, you can't steal. Um, and that's, and so oh, everything man. else, yeah, I know, but it, everything <laughs> else is still, it's still free game. And that, that, of course, in and of itself is really revolutionary compared to what we have now. I mean, sure. I'm not a pacifist, I'm not a pacifist, but the non-aggression principle is about as close as you can get to pacifism without being, like, completely pacifist. So, so let me ask you, uh, Scott and I, we've made no secret about, uh, that we think that this civilization is a huge pile of shit and that it needs to change and that we are trying to take steps to change it. So let's say we're successful and we've, we've stopped this civilization and we're in the process of building a new one. And there are a great number of people who don't have private property, who haven't, who weren't able in the previous system to, by the government's authority, get that property. What what do we do then in that instance from an anarcho-capitalist perspective? It's like, okay, well, I have my property, but this person doesn't. And what then? What do we do with them? Do we just say, well, good luck? I mean, by, I guess what I'm getting at is by what authority, are we just saying by my authority, this is my land? And if I want it to be 10 acres... Is it's going to be ten acres? If I want it to be one, it's going to be one. How do you see that playing out in in a, in a system that is run on on those principles? Well, that was a big question. Unfortunately, I could probably talk for hours uh, just about that one question. Thirty seconds or less. Um, there's a few there's a few things I would say, and that is that just because everything is private property in the anarcho-capitalist, you know, ideal world, doesn't mean you necessarily have to have private property in order to have a successful, happy, free life. You know, um, the thing is right now is we have, for example, the state, right? And the state, most people don't think of it this way, but if you really understand how the state works, the state is a monopoly on all the property within the geographical region. So if you don't like the ideas of private property or monopolies, you should hate the state because you have you know, one entity controlling the lives of 330 million people. And under anarcho-capitalism, there would be millions, millions of, you know, uh, different private properties, all with all sorts of different rules and, and how things would be done. I mean, in a private property world, there would be some neighborhoods, you know, that would say, hey, uh, no night is after 10 p.m. And then there would be other, you know, neighborhoods that would say, hey, you can make all the noise you want, as loud as you want, all, all hours of the night. The problem with government is, it says, it's, it, government is a one-size-fits-all approach. It says, we're going to make a rule, and everybody's going to obey it, and if you don't like it, well, then tough shit. The we're going to throw you in a cage. We're going to throw in a cage if you don't obey. Okay, and, and so we actually already do live under a very, you know... Tyrannical system of you know one entity controlling everything, and what I'm saying is let's break that up. Um, one of the things that I thought about when I first started dabbling in anarchism was I thought to myself, okay, what's the absolute worst things that could happen without the government? And I'm like, okay, well, there could be lots of killing and raping and stealing, and and it already happens. Exactly, all of those things are happening globally, all hours of the day, all the time. I mean, it's like crazy how much it happens. 
Mm. Could it really be my choice? Well, and, and, and Seth, and Seth, a lot of it happens overseas, uh, supposedly uh, to, to benefit us somehow. At least that's the propaganda, right? But, the, the, you know, you, you've got, uh, at least the United States, an incredible aggressor uh, world player with foreign policy that, that is pretty much blow up poor brown people if there's oil underneath them, among other stuff, too. But um, I'm interested. So government itself. So, and again, I think you're right. We, you – Sean and I, we could talk for hours just trying to find a definition that we could all sign on to when we use these words, right? Uh, but like government. So so to your your the picture that you painted, this idea about, okay, well, forget one fucking centralized, you know, big government, one size fits all because, I mean, obviously that can't work anyway. It's not working. It's never worked. It's going to collapse. We already know that. But if you've got these, let's say, a million different, you know, um, tribunals or, or you know <laughs> – HOAs, you know, whatever you want, you know, community response team, whatever you want to call them. But, but it's still, that's still a form of government. It's just that it was designed of for and by the people that actually live there. And they've all agreed to these rules. So, I mean, I guess I would say the word government, like, I mean, I know when people say government, they think like, oh, the, the, the White House and the Capitol building, but, you know, or state capitals or what have you. But, but are we still talking? Because someone has to make the rules, right? I mean, we still have to agree to rules because there's going to be conflict in any system. And we have to agree to how we, we sort those conflicts out. And then also, I guess on that same note, I'm throwing a lot of stuff out here. But like if one of those million had a conflict with another one of those million and there's there's no overarching supreme whatever, how do they work that out? And again, I'm not advocating for federal. I'm not advocating. But I'm, I'm curious, how does that work out? So like there's one here in Portland and then there's one over here, let's say, in Hillsboro, you know. Different needs of a different community, but then, you know, the Willamette flows through there and that's water and that's important. And now we're kind of, hey, we feel like you're taking more than your fair share or blah, 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 blah. How do you work something like that out? Well, it's, you know, there's always going to be conflict and that's because humans by nature uh, have different desires and wants and needs and all that. And sometimes they conflict. I don't know how all the real solutions in the future are going to work out. I mean, that's way beyond where we currently are. For me... When I even talk about anarchism, the basis for me is really just the non-aggression principle. And I keep going back to that every time because if we can't even agree on, you know, don't initiate violence against peaceful people, if we can't even agree on that, we're probably not going to agree on everything else. But I find that if two women do agree on the non-aggression principle, that um, they're more likely to find a peaceful solution to problems. But how does that take into account – does it take into account the, the needs of the least among us or non-humans or the earth itself? Is it just this universal ethic of self-ownership for people and people that have the ability to self-actualize? You know, What about ones that are like on the bottom of Maslow's pyramid that are just trying to like you know get food for the day or find some shelter or what have you? I mean is there – does it take into account that? I mean is there a way to, to address that? the idea of also looking at, you know, how we treat animals and plants and all sure. sorts of things. However, um, I suspect that until we figure out how to at least treat other humans, that um, other life forms are just always going to be getting the you know, the worst end of things. Um, it's, to me, it just seems like, yeah, you've got to figure out how to treat your own species first, and then maybe you have a chance of treating other species well. But if we're still, you know, throwing people in cold steel and concrete cages because they want to, you know, smoke a plant, then we're so far fucked, you know, like, there's nothing that the, 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 the chicken has any chance of, you know, 
being better off. If there, if there's going to be, if there's going to be any species left, you know, what with our annihilating 250 a day um, that we know of. So, if 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 you've ever given any thought, if you could share with us and our listeners what you think the the biggest barriers are, or what the the most important steps should and could be taken, or what institutions need to be removed or dramatically altered. to get to that place, besides the state, I think we, that's pretty clear. But is there are, is there anything else, or are there other things that are getting in the way? Well, Noam Chomsky, who's not an anarcho-capitalist, you know, somebody asked him, "How do we how do we stop all this terrorism?" And his his response was simple, and that is, "Stop participating in it." That's right, right. Um, and for me, when it comes to when it comes to the state, because for me, the state is synonymous with organized crime. That's just how I view it. It's a it's a it's a large band of criminals who conspire to steal as much as they can from the productive society and uh, redistribute it among themselves, and they'll toss back some peanuts to to legitimize their existence. Uh, but no, it's a it's a criminal organization, and I don't participate. In it. I don't vote anymore. Um, I don't pay taxes. I haven't paid taxes in years. Uh, I I just live my life. I just live my life totally irrespective of their laws. Now, I'm not going to kill people because that's, that, that would be violating the non-aggression principle, right? I don't go initiating violence against peaceful people. I just live my life in accordance to my principles. Um, I share my these people that are open to listening to them, which is not many. But I found that instead of trying to convert people, it's really something that they've got to see on their own when they're ready for it. And if I'm trying to shove it down people's throats, they're just going to resent me. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. I mean, 99.99% of the people on planet Earth is our statist. Okay, they believe it. They believe in the religious known as government. Okay, and um, as a result, um, they're going to live their life and they're going to make decisions that are going to be harmful to others because they believe in this this really evil system. And I feel like the silver lining is okay. Maybe if a little bit of injustice was done to them, maybe they can step back and and see it and be like, you know what? The state is an evil institution, and we can do better than this. And that's what it all comes down to. That's how I became an anarchist was I said, look at how fucked up everything is all the damn time. Everything, every industry, the government's fucked up everything. And maybe the idea of letting, you know, 435 super rich fucking douchebags 3,000 miles away from where I live control 50% of the finance in the world, you know, maybe there's a better way of doing that. And, and so it just came, these little truisms kept popping in my head, like, Okay, if you believe in taxation, what you're really saying is you believe that these people 3,000 miles away can spend a third or a half of your income better than you can. That's not true. I've heard you I can spend 100% of my income better than anybody. Um, I, my attitude is really, it's really about developing a culture of resistance because philosophy, I love philosophy, don't get me wrong. Philosophy is amazing and it's my guiding light, okay? But if you... If you gave me a philosophy of freedom or a culture of freedom, I'll take the culture of freedom. I'll take the culture of resistance. You know, and that's that's what I, I feel like is is more is needed is just a culture of resistance. People being like, you know, yeah, fuck you, I'm done with your shit. Come and get me and let's duke it out if we have to. Well, Seth, we we've had a, a whole lot of fun. And uh, it's been it's been fascinating, and thank you for your time. But uh, where can our listeners and uh, anyone interested find more information about you and uh, Daily Anarchist? Okay, well, they can just go to dailyanarchist.com. It's an 
be honest, it's a blog that I had going through for a few years, and um, we had a lot of contributing authors and stuff like that, but I haven't really put much, I haven't really put any time into it in the last 12 months. So it's, it's kind of, the content's still there, and there's still amazing content. So if somebody wants to know more about anarcho-capitalism, uh, you can go check that out. There you have it, listener. Uh, Seth King, uh, the great Seth King, dailyanarchist.com. Go give them a checking out and pick up a book while you're at it, and we'll have them back on the show. Thanks, Seth. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Seth. It's good to be king of your own little town. Yeah, the world. Oh, always interesting, isn't he? I think you had a little more fun than I did, but uh, of course. Anyway. <laughs> well, I love Seth, and uh, Seth tolerates. And I think you love uh, to poke at Seth. I think yeah, Seth, well, and, Seth kind and, of and he, the he made poke. some good points, and he made a lot of good points too. You know, and that—that's the thing is—is—is is, 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 even when we agree in places and disagree in places, that's okay as long as we're talking and we're moving forward and we're sharing ideas and we're challenging each other because that's the only way, frankly, that we're going to get beyond civilization is if we actually fucking engage each other. That's right. And, uh, okay, so here's the thing. And again, when I say anarchy, I'm being very general. But uh, let's give you just something to think about that might be very simple with regard to this. Because, you know, like a lot of the stuff that comes across, you know, Google and Yahoo News and whatever. It's like, hey, five ways to lose that belly fat for summer. blah ba doo Okay, well, we can do that. Uh, how about five reasons why anarchy would be an improvement, you know, in human governance? Okay, Not we can have fun. Piece. Not a no. fluff piece. Um, okay, and, and this is actually, this is a great article. Um, this is from themindunleashed.org, and uh, it came out May last year, 2015, by Gary Z. McGee. That's the name that he's going with, real or or not. <laughs> um, Gary Z. McGee. Um, so we got five reasons why anarchy would be an improvement in human governance, and I got to say, I agree. Number one, it has inherent checks and balances. Sean, what do you think about that? Uh, well, it's just like anything. I think it does until it doesn't, until somebody challenges it. And, you know, like you can just like we thought we had inherent checks and balances built into our system. And then somebody looked at I think it's kind of like once you systemize, systematize something that somebody can look at it and be like, where are the holes? Where are the holes? So I, I think it does because there it, it's we are forced to deal with each other mm. rather than somebody, you know, big poppy telling us what to do. Papito, papito. So everybody gets to participate. Uh, number two, it would nullify debt, slavery, and eliminate poverty. That's quite a claim. And if that's true, I think that would definitely help. What do you think about that? I think just like how we would do anything and, and how we would approach it with Seth. It's like, okay, how? Explain to me how then. There has to be something to replace it. And if not, well, then what about when somebody wants to then create, you, you know, this is my always my question for, for them is, you know, I, I like it. I'm down. But how? And right, so they say, like, how does the moral code currently glorify plunder? It pushes militarization, creates profit prisons, create war heroes out of violent psychopaths, makes war itself a profitable endeavor, it puts very. people over profit, equity over equality, transforms elections into auctions, creates a fundamentally unsustainable and unhealthy mo- money first, human heart second mentality. So the idea is that's not going to happen if you take an anarchist approach and you're really talking about nullifying debt slavery altogether. 
and eliminating poverty through that means. Because it's all by design. In order for this world to continue to plunder and to pillage and to oppress, you have to have people that are in debt. It's it's by design, sure. you know. Um, so again, you know, and ha- have well, no illusions. So- but then, then they say, like, so how does anarchy flip the tables on authorization and glorification of plunder? It prevents plunder from ever becoming possible because anarchy-based modes of governance are engineered in such a way that groups never get to the point of concentrated centers of power. And that, right, yes, in theory, but how? What? What prevents it? So you start to get, develop these community of communities. One of them starts to feel a little bit more powerful and uppity, and then one, some, you know, there's a power struggle there, and then. You know, I I love it, but as always, I'm like, okay, but you're no, missing. On paper, it's great, but in practice, it, again, it's going to just take. Vigilance, I need more constant vigilance. Right. Number three, uh, it would be eco morally and ecologically healthier and more sustainable. And I think that that's part of uh, what Sean and I talk about when we say about moving beyond civilization, because it is totally unsustainable for people and planet. It's it's destructive. It's damaging. It's toxic. Um, you know, so so they talk a little bit about this point. Authority tells you what to see, and therefore it must be questioned. So authority is telling you that it's okay to live immoderate, overindulgent, violent, ecocidal lifestyles. It's not okay no, because it's, not. it's fundamentally unhealthy and leads to unsustainable devolution. Oh, you just go away, Baton. Number four, it would result in the expiation or um, atonement of power and wealth through an ethics of reciprocity. So this was kind of interesting. You know, anthropologist Christopher Baum has proposed a social theory theory that anarchist egalitarian hunter-gatherers maintained equality through a leveling mechanism he calls reverse dominance, Mm. a social system of checks and balances that maintains egalitarian ethos while preventing a dominance hierarchy from forming. Well, there's a little how for me. Thank you. There you go. Okay. See? Huh? What do you want? All right. There's no crime in anarchy. There's some information. Reverse dominance hierarchies are broken down into four different leveling mechanisms. Public opinion, ridicule, disobedience, and ostracism. Modes of human governance are largely based upon shame as a regulatory method. So within such a society, individuals are socially, morally, and ecologically compelled to expiate their power and reciprocate wealth because the alternative is the risk of shaming, ridicule, and ostracism. So like A.S.A. Grayling explained... Grayling explained, the first task is to win something. The second, to banish the feeling that has been won. Otherwise, it is a burden. Interesting. So mm-hmm. that's, an, that's an interesting angle there, that they have a, a system of sort of checks and balances. Here's what they would posit as one way to do that. Number five, it would create compassionate, humble, and courageous leadership. I tend to agree as well. So again, talking about anarchist modes of human governance that creates precisely the type of self-educated, autodidactic individual that predatory capitalists and pacifist socialists fear. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of quotes in this great article. Louis G. Herman wrote, when individuals try to balance self-interest with a consideration of the bigger picture, they discover, as Socrates did, that deep self-interest actually includes concern for the good of the whole. So an individual ego acting on the good of the whole, eco, is a force of nature first, person second, which provides them the phenomenal power of standing on the shoulders of giants while also wearing a wide array of masks of self-mastery. What have you to say about any of this? I, I really love that part. And it's I have needs and you have to consider your own needs. You have to be self-interested. And a key part of that instead of like, it's not maybe think of it, but it's a key part of that is your self-interests lie with others. And other self-interest lies with you. And you have to consider that when you're making decisions. Uh, all right. So 
So there's a lot there between the interview, between what we've been throwing at you. Uh, Sean, uh, maybe we gave a little sampling of this early on, but what, what can we do? How can we learn more about anarchy and maybe find a way to make some anarchist themes work for us and maybe work for the larger population and, and the world itself? Is there something we can do about this if we're inspired by what we're saying? Well, I mean, we didn't really get to it too much, but I, I think one of the most important things about anarchy is not the absence of rules, but it's it's the that you it's not the it's it's not the absence of governance, it's self governance. So the classic example that I use is like you don't drive slower around a school zone because there's a sign posted mm. and you get a ticket if you if you if you drive too fast and that'll be inconvenient right, for you. You right, do it right. because it's the right thing to do. You right. don't need a sign. You you see a sign that says school and you know it's there, so you go slower because you don't. I don't want to fucking hit a kid. That would that's be right. shitty for the kid, the kid's family, me, my my family, and and yeah, I could get a ticket, but that's not what motivates me to slow down. It's because it's the right thing to do. So I, I would say my first thing is to govern yourself, be accountable to yourself, and to our uh, recent point to other life forms sharing this amazing space with you because your fate is tied to theirs and theirs to you. So if you're accountable to both both parties and you are governing yourself and you understand what your moral system is, uh, then you're able to do what's right for the sake of doing what's right rather than being driven by some punishment or reward. So uh, if you can't do this, then we'll never be able to rule ourselves. As I said before, we are not ready for anarchism at all. We're not ready for anarchy. Uh, slavery then? No, I think not. I would heed the supposed words of Lao Tse... Knowing others is intelligence. Knowing yourself is true wisdom. Mastering others is strength. Mastering yourself is true power. So if that's a good starting point, then you I can like take that it from there. Yeah, that but, is a great reference, if nothing else. If you take nothing from today's episode, take that. Oh, that's good. So then I would add that once you've done that, once you have are trying to master yourself first, uh, then you need to find out exactly where you're going with that. Uh, self-mastery. And I, I would say, look at uh, libcom.org. Libcom is uh, is about the anarcho-communism, essentially, but they, they, they talk about all the different anarchies and nice. the, uh, or systems of anarchy or interpretations of anarchy, however you want to put it. But they, they, they do a good job. They talk about, the, the first they define in their about section, the problem. <laughs> and and we wake up every day. We go to work, taking orders from a manager. We sit at work, counting down the minutes, and they just they just like they re- go over all the stuff that you and I know. It's yeah. a great read. Uh, and then they talk about the ideas of it, and then the the site there and how and how you can use it. So check out libcom.org org uh, and and go to the uh, slash notes slash about and inform yourself once you have that feeling of I need to govern myself and I need to work with others who are willing to do that and we need to govern ourselves. And that's all for me. Well, mine is similar. We just got to learn more about it. Learn more about everything, but today's episode. Learn more about anarchy. And aside from visiting Seth's Daily Anarchist blog, a great place to start might be the anarchistlibrary.org. Uh, go check out what they're publishing there. They, they're putting a bunch of different information out there for you. So any and everything that comes off of there, you're going to be getting a little taste, Lister. I'd also say join uh, workerssolidarity.org. Um, this is a fantastic anarchist group, uh, from self-managed movements to a self-managed society. Workers Solidarity Alliance is an anti-capitalist, anti-authoritarian organization of activists who believe that working people can build a new society and a better world based on the principles of solidarity and self-management. <laughs> Theme of the show. And freedom, and freedom, and freedom, goddammit. Our view 
this is uh, workers' uh, solidarity talking, is that such a society will be brought about only by working people building their own self-managed mass, orga- mass organizations from the ground up, bottom up. Change always happens bottom up, never top down. By the way, uh, last thing I'll say, in building organizations that are run directly by their membership, uh, they not only create more effective organizations for fighting the bosses and the day-to-day struggles, but they'll also be laying the foundation for a new society run by working people. So you can definitely see where I'm hot to try. Um, and lastly, I'll say... Um, like the super quad squad known as En Vogue once said, free your mm. mind. Love those girls. Will follow. Are you like that? I was mm-hmm. excited to say that. Um, one of the main common denominators with anarchy is freedom, right? This is really just such a pivotal linchpin, cornerstone, whatever you want to say, but to any approach with regard to anarchy. And like most things, there are varied versions of anarchy putting more emphasis on certain principles or approaches, but the one thing that they all cherish and hold near and dear to their hearts is freedom. Jean-Paul Sartre said, freedom is what you do with what's been done to you. Mm. Mind blow. So take back control and do something bold, daring, and worthwhile with that freedom for yourself and for the greater good of mankind. Sean, before we get out of here, uh, can I give you guys a win? Win on. Largely in response to pressure from activists like you, listener, the Obama administration announced recently that is going to put a moratorium on new coal leasing on our public lands. Thanks for that already. Harumph. Yeah, I mean, well, it shouldn't have been there in the first place, but okay, thanks for doing that until it reviews the impacts this program has on our planet. Uh, I can save you however much for that same save. <laughs> it's, it's not good. So we can just, we can just, we can just sunset that That's all you that need right to know. Now. Let's fine. just yeah. uh, stop taking it out and burn it. Just, and stop blowing doing up our, mountains. our yeah. fucking land. That's our <laughs> right. fucking land, you fuckstick. Anyway, uh, this is a big victory, in quotes, but it's something, okay, for the movement to keep fossil fuels in the ground. So well done, but ever vigilant with anything, the shitty system we got or the better one that's coming tomorrow. Ever vigilant. Keep up the good work. Keep it up. I'm by winning. I win here and I win there. Now what? Well, what do you know? That's the show. Aw, already? I don't think this was our worst show. Uh, this show is a self-regulator. It's gonna it's gonna determine for itself whether or not it's whether or not anybody show. listens to it. Right, that's right. Uh, remember the Holy Trinity: we, uh, W. Think critically, feel deeply, ask questions. For what purpose? To what end? And at what cost? It just might save your life. Why am I channeling my spa? <laughs> Somebody, please, bones. Damn it, Jen. The show's over. <laughs> In honor of National Public Health Week, we'll be asking those very questions during our next show when we discuss health. That'll be $455. <laughs> yeah, you have to co-pay just to download. So <laughs> if you don't have insurance, I'm sorry. It's going to be out of pocket. Very pricey for you. Uh, and remember, resistance is fertile. And before we go, here are some words to live by. When I saw those words, it was like someone ripped them from the inside of my head. Anarchism stands for liberation of the human mind from the dominion of religion. Liberation of the human body from the dominion of property. Liberation from shackles and the restraint of government it stands for social order based on the free grouping of individuals. For Sean Namini, this is Scott Mullen saying, when life gets you down, always remember to look at the upside down trotting. Rule yourself, bitches. If you get the invitation, the swan song of a nation, everyone's waiting for you inside. We got soda pop and hickory stills 
Quinny Eskimo and Espadrilles and Sally making you feel alright. Out a Baroness and a Bayonet, the night had a hedge and bets against the good judgment of the swinging king. Is this the fall of the American Empire? But don't you worry, honey, you didn't miss a thing. Juiced up dignitaries getting loose like the loneliest.